what do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. I want to welcome everybody to the very first Niche Finder framework. We're going to be talking to (laughs) an expert that we have in the medical device field, a good friend of mine, Jerome Bridgman. We also call him the professor because this guy, when he puts his mind to something, he does it not only well, but he does it with excellence. And so we're going to get right into without further ado. Again, welcome to the Niche Finder framework where we are basically looking at experts and how they went through their journey and how we can possibly help you in yours. So I want to introduce you to Jerome Bridgman and just tell me a little bit about yourself, your company, before we get into some of these questions that many people are interested in hearing from you about. Well, thanks, Cliff. I'm very happy to be a part of this session. As you mentioned, I work for a medical device company. It's called MTF Biologics, and we specialize in medical devices that are manufactured here in the U.S. and distributed around the world. I am the Senior Director of International Market Development, which entails uh, traveling around the world to promote the various products in our portfolio, meeting with the authorities in the respective countries, and not only promoting our products, but also um, differentiating between our products from the other competitors that are in the market right now. Okay, and so how long have you been working with this company? I've been there going on uh, 18 years now, and it's been quite a journey because I've learned so much over the 18 years. Okay, so just to frame this for everybody, our goal of the Niche Finder framework and what we are doing and endeavoring to do with Dream Octane is to help people to look forward by looking back. And and so we think that quite often the hardest thing to do is to carve that path that you feel like you need to get to. And so the easiest way to do it is, as you hear, masterminding is to learn from an expert. And so some of the secrets that they have that they've learned through trial and error or through going through having to go through difficult situations. We're hoping that a podcast like this will give you some insight on what can help accelerate your progress. So we have several questions for Mr. Bridgman in this space that he finds himself in, but let's learn a little bit about your journey. So when we look at 
your journey? What got you? What's your backstory? What got you to this place that you find yourself in? What made you choose this this medical device, Phil, out of all things that you could have done? Well, first off, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with business. I took a course in principles of business. And from there on, I knew I wanted to be in business. Didn't know the specific industry, but as the years progressed and doing my personal research, I wanted to get into healthcare because I think healthcare, it's a field, it's an industry in which it will always be needed. Services will always be needed. People will always rupture maybe their tendons, ligaments, you name it. They will always require some sort of a medical attention. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved in the industry itself. But specifically for the medical industry, medical device, I was not really aware of this industry at all, this particular segment. But once I got the opportunity to get involved, I've learned so much over the years. And my curiosity, I've always been a curious kid. So my curiosity really propelled me to learn and learn and learn over the years, which got me to the position which I'm in right now. So when you started out, obviously you didn't start in the senior leadership position that you find yourself in right now, what were you trying to accomplish? Stepping into the medical device. Yeah, we hear, we understand that you wanted to go into business. That's great. And many people may be at that step. They may be leaving high school, going into college, or they may be in college and they have this thing like, hey, I want to either be an entrepreneur or I want to go in, work for somebody and make a difference. What is it that you wanted to accomplish when you first started in the medical device space? I wanted to be sort of a reference point for a lot of people in the industry to refer to, to give them opinions on various uh, things. It is a broad scope when it comes to a job description, but a lot of people around the world especially are looking towards the United States for the state of the art technology when it comes to the medical device industry. My curiosity again, I will always continue to say that, led me to read a series of books, led me to read a series of clinical compendiums in order to address some of the medical options that are out there and the benefits of each of these options. The last thing I would say in regards to this is not only my curiosity, but the ability to listen, to just silence yourself, silence yourself and just listen when you have these conversations. What are they looking for, your customers? What are the surgeons looking for? How can you help them? Although you have this vast array of knowledge, but it's always good to learn from somebody else. So over the years, I've learned to be quiet and to listen really helped me along the way. Can you tell me a little bit about your external struggles that you had with dealing with the start of your journey? What type of external struggles did you find yourself up against? Terminologies. There are a lot of terminologies in the medical and device industry, which were quite, <laughs> it was a mouthful for me. But over years and years and years of reading, and looking at various videos, looking at various surgeons present on their findings, it really helped me. So building my lexicon of definitions, I would say, assisted me in executing the way I'm executing right now. So my biggest hurdle were the definitions and being able to use them in the right manner to get my point across. Speaking to a surgeon or speaking to someone in that industry who is way advanced when it comes to my uh, knowledge. I had to do lots and lots of reading and that really propelled me to where I am right now. So we met in business school, Rutgers, big up to Rutgers executive MBA program. And that's where Jerome and I actually met. But I find it interesting that you got into medical device based on your passion, which was business. But you also don't have a medical background. 
So what type of internal struggle did you find? And I understand the external, the lexicon, but what type of internal struggle did you find yourself going through as you started your journey? Very good question. The internal struggles was getting to know the anatomy, the human anatomy, learning the various parts of the body. When you say the Achilles tendons, when you say the ACL, someone had ACL reconstruction. When you talk about CMF, craniomaxillofacial, you talk about the various surgeries and the various parts of the anatomy. I had to get a crash course in which I did myself in order to get up to speed on that. And I also got involved in the FDA website, fda.gov and AATB, American Association of Tissue Banking.org, to learn a lot of the um, clinical applications of the various medical devices, human tissues or allografts. So yes, that was the most challenging part of it on the interior of the organization, learning the anatomy and the surgical applications of the various medical devices. Okay, so we understand your background or the ex- external walls or the external struggles, internal struggles. Did you find yourself coming up against any kind of, any walls, any barriers in your journey? So you had the passion, you had the objective, you had the things that you were fighting through, but did you ever find yourself hitting up against a wall? Yes. I wouldn't say a wall, but it was an obstacle which I had to get over. When I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil to present, the majority of the audience, there were about 40-something members in the crowd, and they spoke very little English. So I had to improvise, and the night prior had a briefing. So I went online, I went on Google and did some English to Portuguese uh, translation, and my Portuguese was horrendous. But at least they were laughing at me and laughing with me. But I tried the best I possibly could. And I had a translator who did the best that he possibly could also. So in essence, it's always good to learn to get an icebreaker when you get to the various countries who speak a foreign language. That, I would say, was one of the roadblocks. So different languages that you had to overcome. So now... What type of epiphany did you find yourself running into? Quite often we have these journeys where we find out what we need to do. We have our passion that's going to drive us to our destination. We have the internal, external struggles that as we're going through it, it's kind of we're fighting through and it's giving us some motivations. This obstacle that we run into when we're on this journey, quite often there's an epiphany that shows us, you know what, instead of this stopping me, I'm going to use X in order to either go around it, go through it, go over it. I understand the part where you're saying we're going to use this as an icebreaker. But at what point did you say that this is for me? I'm not going to give up on this thing. The moment I landed in Sao Paulo and I was given the briefing, I was told that it's going to be a very long day, but I didn't know how long it was going to be. Because can you imagine when you have all these uh, medical terminologies that you have to present on and the translation and the translator was not really up to date on the various terminologies. So instead of doing a two hour presentation, it took us about five or six hours, I think it was. We had to take breaks in between to get the point across because I flew all the way down there and I wanted to give them the best of myself and to represent my company quite efficiently. So knowing how to deal with the obstacles when they present themselves, knowing how to move them or getting over them, these are the things that for anyone in anything that you do, and these are the things that allow you to be at your very best when you face any obstacles out there. 
when you were in the midst of all of this, and I know that you are a very thorough person, you like to be prepared and be on time. And, and I've seen you do this throughout business school while we were together. Did you have a plan? Did you create a plan for this path that you found yourself on? Or just was it a series of just coincidental or, or serendipitous events that just led to you finding your niche? I created a plan. I am huge on project management. Uh, so I created a plan and I put myself every two years. I would like to do something within the industry, but just pivot a little. And I would always look at what's available next. I would look at my current state, my current position, and look at what's available next and prepare myself. Maybe I have to take two or three steps to get there. But these are the things that I did. I didn't want to sit in one spot and be bored. I didn't want it to be just a regular nine to five. I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to make... uh, just give a good example of the organization and just showing the details that's involved and the passion that I have for the human anatomy and especially when it comes to the medical device community. So I understand that. And I'm just I'm curious. I want to drill down a little bit more. When you found yourself doing this plan, what end result were you looking for? What did success look like for you in this plan? Yes, success to me looked like just the joy of waking up in the morning And knowing that I will have an impact on someone's life, knowing that I can provide vital information for them to change the trajectory of someone to might be the little girl in Malaysia who had a torn um, ACL after playing soccer or the kid in Chile who um, is suffering from cancer and need to undergo some sort of a treatment. So these are the things. Happiness to me is the ability to get up in the morning and just have the zest to get to the office and speak to a vast array of people from various countries and not only speak to them, but provide them with solutions to the questions that they are presenting. All right, that's excellent. And did you feel like during the process that there was a transformation in your journey that made you feel like, wow, what I sought out to go after, I actually feel it and I achieved it today. Like, did you have that moment? And if so, what was it? Yes, I had that moment after I spoke with a surgeon, well, a prominent surgeon from Israel who I spoke with. We were in Sweden and he just walked me through. He spoke with me for about 45 minutes and he gave me an intense lesson on the knee anatomy, about the ACL, the MCL, the PCL. He gave me an intense conversation and lecture. And I sat there for about 30 minutes. I did not say a single word. And he said to me, are you listening? I said, trust me, I am listening. I said, I am getting the best lecture ever. And Cliff, I sat there, I listened, I listened. And after about close to the 45 minute session, when he finished and he asked me a series of questions, I was able to respond to all of them. I just wanted to walk away and get close to my computer and start typing my notes because the information was overwhelming, but I didn't want it to go to waste. And I went back, I took a step back, I absorbed it. I reached back out to him. I said, would you mind coming back to see me here tomorrow? Uh, Maybe we can have dinner or something. And he said, absolutely. So I typed my notes the night in the hotel. I showed my notes to him the following day. He gave me additional tips on it. And to me, that was my aha moment. At that moment, I said, wow, the light bulb, 
actually went off. So now if you ask me a question about any part of the anatomy, especially when it comes to the knee, I can give you the appropriate response because I got it from such a prominent surgeon who is recognized around the world. Yeah, it's so interesting when we have that moment. I remember there's one of the things that I remember talking about uh, in a book that I had mentioned to you, uh, Dream Octane, is where I worked for a gentleman who was a chief operating officer, also was a nurse. And he said when he came into, uh, he started working in nursing, he said for about two years, he was just doing, it was all rote for him, the taking care of patients, giving him medication, and just executing on the safety measures. He says, but one day he walked into work and everything just clicked for him. Like it just all made sense. Like it became more instinctive and less rote for him. And that's when he said all of the things that he had as safety measures became second nature to him, became part of his behavior, as opposed to something that he had to really stop and think about. And it sounded like that was something similar that happened for you. I do want to drill down on a little bit more. I, I think I have a good understanding of of how you went through your journey to get into medical devices. But I'm trying to see if there's a cross connect between your past, like your passions, things that you feel that make you feel purposeful, patterns that you may have seen, proficiencies that you have, and also problem solving techniques that you've al- already had that were successful in times past. So if we can get into that uh, really quick, if you can just tell me, like, what were your strong passions growing up that you think cross connects to what you do now well? My passions growing up were reading. I was a curious kid, as I said uh, before, always um, to read. And anytime there's a topic presented in front of me, I will get to the library, the encyclopedia, you name it. Now we have Google. We can just uh, search all these things. But my ability to comprehend by simply sitting in front of a textbook, reading it, observing it, and then trans describing it or even presenting it to someone to show that I completely understood it. So these are the things. The other thing is working with different groups. I work quite well within uh, different groups. And because of this, I'm working now in over, I think it's about 50 countries right now. We have our presence. We have our independent distributors around the world. And this, from such a young age, you're working with your classmates, your teammates, you name it. Those are the things that really helped me to the situation where I am right now. Listening to the opinions of others without judging them, knowing that their perspective is going to give you a different way of looking at a situation. Those are very important and these are the things. The other thing is communicating. I remember in high school, uh, my teacher said to me, you just ask so many questions. You ask way too many questions. I don't have all the answers for you. And I thought at one point I tried to be quiet, but I just couldn't help it. There's a fire in me that burns when I uh, sit in front of a textbook or in front of an audience and I need more and more information. So my ability to ask questions, I still do it this day because these are the things that satisfy my curiosity to help me to satisfy what I need from the various distributors I work with. So there's a hunger that I understand. It's interesting that your passion is really tied into this satisfaction of your curiosity and reading. So your passion for reading, I wonder if it's connected to the curiosity that you have, or is it the fact that you want to learn in order to help somebody else from the material? Yeah, the curiosity that I have and also the ability to help someone else from the material. I remember when we were in grad school, the same thing here when we would read statistics or micro or macroeconomics, 
and we'll have those uh, study sessions. I wanted to learn the material and also share it with my classmates and to receive a different perspective, to see the questions that they would throw at me, to interpret it maybe differently, but come to the same understanding that this is the end result. I think that's, uh, that's very important as you move forward when you go from one step to the next. And what do you feel, what have you done either in times past or do you do now that when you do it, it feels purposeful? It's like, I was made for this moment. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Very rarely do I have a loss to get you for a loss for words. So that no. must be. <laughs> I was made for this month. I like to present. Yes. I like to present because it allows me to share, which I said before, it allows me to share my knowledge with, with an audience. And it allows the audience to press back on me what I've expressed to them. And put you on the spot because the moment you're up there, you're on the spot, you're stripped. Sometimes you only have a projector and a few words on a slide. And if you have 40 members in the group, one person is asking a question, everybody else, their eyes are on you. And then you have to be able to respond to it. So I devote a lot, a lot of time in a preparation prior to presentation, but it's always a challenge. You get nervous, the butterflies are there. It's a challenge because you never know. To me, presenting is not a problem, but the questions that are asked, you just never know which direction they're gonna come from, but you have to be prepared. What patterns have you, do you have a high probability of being successful uh, in your times past? What do you see as a pattern that when I do this thing, I'm pretty successful with it? When I spend a lot of time, I dedicate a lot of time and effort into my tasks or my projects, I am very effective in the long run. So the preparation that I put in prior, it really helps me to be as effective as possible. The end result, the input is going to be long hours, reading, studying, you name it. And the output is going to be a satisfactory performance. That's the way I look at it. Okay. And so when you put that input in, what have you been proficient at? So tell me about those end results. What activities? Yeah, the end results, the activities is just getting the group involved and throwing different throwing different questions or tasks or whatever you might refer to it as so they can see things in a different light as opposed to just giving them just black or white. You give them in different shades, different shades you present it to them or you give it in a situational situation. So as opposed to asking a direct question, you put it in a situational manner and then you said, all right, can you respond to this? Can you do this? It evokes a lot of uh, responses and it allows the audience or the group members to really think on their feet. So that to me has worked for me as an audience in the audience and also as a presenter. And then what challenges have you been able to correct in a unique way? So you were able to solve a problem, but it had your stamp on it. What did that look like? What does it look like? When you get the response from the person requesting or asking the question, once you get the response, you just see it. It's a look. You just see it and say, "Uh aha. That uh aha moment, you can see that connection between you and the person who asked the question. That to me, that is what success looks like once you're up there presenting. Once you're presenting and the question is asked and you respond, and there is still a little shaky behavior of the person, you can see it because once you have that face-to-face interaction, 
you can see it as clear as daylight whether the person understood it or not. And it's up to you as the presenter to ensure that before you move to the next step, this person's response is satisfactory. They get it because if not, you're going to lose someone along the way as you proceed with your presentation. All right, these last five questions is going to be a lightning round. And I just want you to give me whatever comes to mind within a 30 second elevator pitch that's going to respond to this question. So I know that you like to be someone who is fully prepared. So I want to try to throw you off with these questions here. But just give it to me whatever that comes natural. These are just secrets. So in your field, what secret would you offer to your pre-niche self? So you're talking to your younger self that you just described. What would you tell your younger self that will accelerate them from where they find themselves to your future self or where you find yourself now? Stop talking so much and listen a little more. You've learned all the terminologies and medical device. You don't need to throw it out to the audience. Listen to the questions that they're asking so you can address it directly. All right. Excellent. Question number two. What secret is a must have to getting started and staying committed? Grabbing onto like a dog, grabbing onto a bone and not letting go of it. That means investing as much time and energy into the industry, reading up all the journals, the clinical compendiums that are out there to ensure that you remain relevant. All right. Question number three. Now that you discovered your niche, how challenging is it? that you do what you do. How challenging is it now that you've actually discovered that you're in your niche? It's challenging because things change. Procedures uh, change the way the surgeons perform various surgeries. It changes the various options that are available to them. They change. So it's challenging because you have to be on top of your game. You have to be out there reading and looking for the available options. What was in use 10 years ago might see on the decline and you have to learn to see what's happening right now so you can present it uh, as a potential option to the surgeons. So what has been your greatest struggle after you found your niche? So we understand leading up to your niche, but what has been your greatest struggle after you found your niche? Greatest struggle. The greatest struggle to me, I would say, is um, traveling and being able to turn on at the moment you get off at an airport. I remember going to the Middle East. I did a tour of the Middle East. I went to the Sultanate of Oman. Then I went over to Saudi Arabia, Jordan, United Arab Emirates. And then I went over to Taiwan, San Francisco, and back to Newark. And that to me is challenging because every single country, you cannot use your same slide deck. You have to adjust it. And sometimes you only have a few hours in between at the airport and making updates to it. So the time frame when you're traveling, trying to pull it together to get to your next group, to get to your next audience. And when you get off the flight, no matter how tired you are, you have to be up and ready to go because these customers have been waiting on you sometimes for years to show up and you have to be on point. So this to me is challenging traveling, being on point, knowing the material, adjusting it to the audience, and when you get off the airplane, to be up, ready, prepared to go. Last question that I have for you. How do you know, I don't know, it takes so much effort for us to stay focused and to stay committed, but how do you know when it's time to give it up and change course? I like that question. When I wake up in the morning and I don't have that urge anymore to hurry up, get prepared and run to the office, then I know it is time to do something else. Well, listen, I appreciate you 
as an individual, I appreciate you taking your time and I appreciate the investment that you have made in the lives, not only in myself through business school, but in this moment, the fact that you are committed to my very first podcast to help someone find their niche. I'm deeply indebted to you. I appreciate you. And I thank you. Thank you for your time. Any closing remarks that you want to share with someone? Just thank you very much. And just knowing, putting a plan together, I'm huge on project management. You have to put your plan together. Don't sit back and just wait for things to happen. Put your pen on paper. There are lots of apps and all these things out there, but I still go the traditional way, put things on paper. It's in front of you. It will get done every year. Just map out a plan for yourself as opposed to just sitting there and waiting for someone to create a plan for you. That's my closing statement. Excellent. And so that wraps us up for today's episode of Niche Finder Framework, where we looked at medical device with our guest, Jerome Bridgman. We are grateful for him. And I just want to leave you with this. Just remember, if change is an engine, your individual gifts may be the fuel. Thank you. And we appreciate you and much success on your endeavors. 